0: Good evening, we still really hadn't got into this through the As A Color Jude 3 series, but uh, um, this lesson here, lesson number two, really starts to get at how we look at the Bible, how we understand the Bible, and starts to uncover the fact that there are color differences, there are racial differences, there's an African heritage difference in the way we look at and read the Bible. So I hope that you enjoy this lesson. Through the Eyes of Color, Lesson 2. We're still in Chapter 1. Thank you. Right. <laughs>
1: Already
0: at the altar. Do it all.
2: Oh, Things
0: good. And God Amen. has been good to us. Oh Lord yes, Jesus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Thank, thank
0: you, Jesus. Thank you. That's thank a blessing. You, and sometimes you don't even recognize the blessings that you have. You, oh, just, you look yeah. around and start to count what God has done for you. Oh. And, and where he brought you from and how he brought you yeah. there. Yeah. You, just start, you just start shouting on the inside. Oh. Amen. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah good afternoon good evening everybody
0: good
1: evening
0: good evening good evening, good evening. Good evening. Good evening. well good evening i've got six thirty, <laughs> and yes sir i think it's about time for us to get started and we're gonna start because we got a lot to do tonight and a lot to cover mm-hmm. and we're on lesson two after the introduction and um part of chapter one on this series of studies that we're coming from through the eyes of Jesus and looking at through the eyes of color and how color has affected our understanding of our faithfulness and how it comes to play and how we understand. And before we can really do that, what we're starting in these first two lessons is really looking and concentrating on this whole concept of how we read the Bible and how we understand the Bible and where we are in the Bible and how we take that to understanding how we know God and how we worship God because at the basic of how we know God and how we worship God and how we see God is this understanding of how we interpret God's word and God's scripture. So we started off with this strange word called hermeneutics. And I, I figured just to get you all warmed up tonight, well, before we even get into that, um, one of the writers of the Jew 3 Project um, has just a little talk on how she sees this curriculum being used and why we use it. And I, I wanted to kind of start with that. And then I'm going to go back to a little piece on hermeneutics <laughs> and what hermeneutics can do for us. So um, this is Lisa Fields, and she's just going to tie us in. With where where she comes with this, I hope you all can hear this. Important
3: to to, to ask that question before I start uh, because No,
0: I can't do it that way. Hold on, y'all. I have to remember what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, here we go. That's the way you do it.
3: I'm excited to be here, y'all might be sleepy after lunch. Uh, My name is Lisa Fields. I'm the founder and president of the G3 Project. Uh, G3 Project is a Christian apologetics organization dedicated to helping black Christians know what they believe and why. By a show of hands, is everybody familiar with apologetics in here? Okay, most of you are. I'm glad because some people think I apologize actually saying I'm sorry. So, it is important to, to ask that question before I start uh, because apologetics is giving me a defense for the faith comes from 1 Peter three fifteen. But I'm not here to uh, wax eloquently about apologetics today. I'm so thankful for the invitation from Josh and Hazen, um, and the whole team, the one race to be here at the 400 conference. I'm so honored. I am extremely tired, but I'm excited to be here. We just finished our two-day annual conference yesterday, and uh, somebody said, you're speaking after that? I was like, it sounded like a good idea Um, until until today, Um, but I'm excited to be here. Um, I really loved um, the theme that went with this, the know your story, own your story, and change your story. And Josh, as I was asking, what does, did he want me to speak on? He said, the change story part. And as I began to think about that, I was like, how do we change this story in America? We're celebrating this 400 year mark as a historic thing, but how in the world do we get good fruit from a rotten root? How can we get good fruit from a rotten root? I was thinking about that because for many in America and Christianity, when we think of Christianity in our context, we think of terror. We don't think of something good if you're in the African-American space. So as I mentioned, I'm an apologist. And people will say, well, what's the state in, in the black apologetic message that's not in the white apologetic message? And I always say that um, in, in black apologetics, we're not con- solely uh, concerned necessarily with the existence of God. Many black people believe that God exists, but we are concerned with what where God is in our suffering. And there's this notion in our suffering that if this is the Christianity that's been fed to us, why would we trust it? Because it seems to only work for white men. So we do an HBCU tour with the G3 project and the questions that we seek to answer on historically black colleges and universities is, is Christianity a white man's religion? And many say, why would you think that? And I think one of the most helpful ways I think through this critically is thinking about a book that um, called Jesus and the Disinherited. And in Jesus and the Disinherited, the author in that book, Howard Thurman, notes that he used to go to Daytona Beach every summer to visit his grandmother. And every summer, his grandmother would have him read the Bible, but she would only pick out certain passages in the Bible for him to read. She would never let him read any of Paul's letters. Um, she would focus in on the Gospels and um, the Psalms. And he said, it always bothered him. And one day he got up enough courage to say, grandmother, why can't I read any of Paul's letters? And she said, my slave master used Paul's words against me. And I vowed never to read Paul again. So when I think about Christianity being a white man's religion, I think about the ways in which it's been manipulated to service white men and to oppress Black and brown peoples in America. And so when we think about this, know your story, own your story, change your story, it's important that if we want to get some good fruit from what seems like a rotten root, that we must live out the message of the gospel in a way that challenges the American Christianity that has been perpetuated in our country. Because many times when we see things in American Christianity or white evangelicalism, we see a hyper focus on the gospel message. But so little comes out in the fruit of our lives. In Matthew, Jesus says something interesting. He says, <laughs> in Matthew 17, verse 15, and I'm reading from the NLT. I like it because it's uh, written on the sixth grade level. And even though I have an M.D., I still enjoy reading on the sixth grade level. Um, <laughs> Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep or are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is the way that they act. For many in America, we have not seen the real fruit of the gospel message. We've seen strange fruit. hanging from trees with blood on the leaves and the root. Because the Bible is seen as a way and a method of manipulation, not a tool of liberation in the voices of men. So if we're ever going to correct the problem. If we're ever going to change the story, we got to live out the whole message. I love what he told Ezekiel, eat the whole roll. The bitter and the sweet. Not just what benefits you, not just what you like, but the stuff that's hard to digest. The stuff that puts your power in check. The things that challenges your history. And your own personal narrative. The things that challenge your savior complex. The things that make you hang out with black people when it's to serve them, but not black people that are your equal. That's the kind of bitter and sweet word we must eat if we're going to live out the whole counsel of God.
0: Okay. Well, you know, what Lisa is saying there and what Lisa brings us to is this whole idea of, you know, how in the world can we look at, you know, if the root is rotten, how do we allow to bear good fruit with a rotten root? And when you start to look at that... oh, some of y'all are muted. Hold on, let me unmute everybody. Well, some of you all can unmute yourselves and... Here we go. All right, yeah. How do we begin to look at this whole idea of interpreting the Bible in the American context. Because for most African Americans, America hadn't been the most happy place. Um, Historically speaking, our exposure to Christianity in the continent of America wasn't the best thing. It was part and parcel with this whole idea of our understanding of racism. And a lot of times you know, the, the person, the concept of Christianity and faith came part and parcel with the whole institution of slavery and how those two went together. So you, you begin to really look at it and say, wow, well, what is going on in this America, this newfound continent, and how do people understand it? And then has the church been what it should have been? Did we bear the fruit that mm-hmm. the church, the institutional church should have born. I mean, if we have this whole thing called faith, and our faith is a good faith, mm-hmm. and we know it's a good faith, then, you know, if we're following Jesus, I, I think we're following Jesus, don't we, in faithfulness? Isn't that what we're following? Yeah. And if, we yeah. follow, if we're following Jesus and we, we're following the love of God and we're sharing that love of God, and we share what God has done for us. Uh-huh. Then how do we begin to incorporate that into everything we do? How do we incorporate that in our lives? How do we get curious? Um, one of the things that I, I found so interesting in in the um, reading was um, the the Lifeway report, and it says, you know, regarding our intake of the Bible, thirty five percent of Americans only pick up the Bible when they need to. Mm. 19% speak to only reading their favorite parts. And 17% just shake the Bible like an eight ball and read passages at random. Wait, no, wait, I ain't finished. Then there are 30% who never read read it. Wow. Yep. Isn't that some stuff? Yes, it was. It is. And then they asked the question, why do you think folk don't read the Bible?
2: A lot of them can't understand. Can't understand a lot of the words in
3: it. I, I was
2: thinking is, you it's know, hard for them to read, hard reading. Even though we have a lot of versions of the Bible now, you know uh if you go to the king james some of the words in it you know
0: well she she made the point said mm-hmm. she reading a uh, 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 niv bible because it's written on a, a sixth grade word mm-hmm. level even though she mm-hmm. didn't graduate from seminary and mm-hmm. i know i like niv and sometimes i i jump into that message bible because i i know it's on the eighth grade level but it's still a much easier read mm-hmm. but also Not only are some folk confused, I think some folk have issues with the Bible in whole. I will go to church because my family is at church. I will go to church because I see my friends at church. But the question really begins to ask, you know, how do I, am, am I really going because of the faith or am I just going to see the people I like? I'm
4: just going for the people I like. Or... I've been gone all my life. I don't know to do anything
0: else. I don't know to do anything else. I I may not want to do anything else. I may not be interested. All I want to do is be comfortable. That's why when we get in church discussions sometimes, it's so hard to change.
4: Going to church makes me look good in the community. I'm a church-going person.
0: Yeah. I'm an adult. Yeah. You know, part of adulthood because we've lost our historical connection with how do you become a man? How do you become a woman? Exactly. Then some people understand my adulthood is joining the church. Exactly if I can be grown. <laughs> I can be grown once I join the church. Once I get membership in the church, now right. I'm an adult in the community, and uh-huh. you all have to take me serious because I I joined the church. Right. You know, and then we see that play itself out in discussions around church politics because people start to thrust around their power. You right. know, People take only power because I'm now, here I am in the church, you know, Amen. but also some folk think the Bible as a dead document. What do you think you mean by that? It doesn't relate
1: to life and they, there's no place for it as far as being able to functionally in their lives. Uh, we know a lot of people think of the Constitution as being a dead document.
0: Yeah. Or sh- walk up to a young man on the street and ask him about Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it used to be Shakespeare or uh, Weathering Heights or... or um, Discovering those were things we had to read in school, but I've noticed now the young people don't even read those types of books in school anymore. So you know they, they 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 see it as irrelevant, not not important to what's going on in life, not important to my day to day process, and and that's hard. But then the, the young lady was talking about how does your Bible bear fruit? How does your how does the story? How, how, how can you get a good story from a bad root? And she was saying, we need to change the story. How do you think we can change the story? Hmm. How can we change the story? How do we change the story of how the Bible has been presented, how people see the Bible? Not the Bible story, but how do we change how people see the Bible? Hmm. You ever heard that saying, it ain't over to the fat lady saying? I I bet y'all never heard that, have y'all?
4: Yes, we have.
0: (laughs) You know, the whole understanding is, if we allow the Bible to be a dead book, Mm -hmm. if we trap it into the first and second century, and we don't allow it to live with us daily, if we don't allow it to have a good hermeneutic, uh, uh, an approachable hermeneutic, then what happens is, We never truly understand, you know, how the Bible lives. The Bible has to be taken as a living document. And when you say living, what what do you think I mean by that? The Bible is not alive.
1: It's based on truth. It's truth not then, and truth now. Truth
0: forever. It's the word of God. It's truth. When something is alive, how do we how do we understand living things? What what are some characteristics of living things? The Bible
1: Breath. is, is Breath.
0: Living, living with us with
1: us and in us and through us today. But see, yeah. people see the, something that was written way back thousands of years ago. But but the Bible is written about every generation of people. It's written it's related it's yeah. related to every.
0: And when when something is alive, you can touch it, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When something is alive, you can smell it, right? Mm -hmm. Use our five senses. Yeah. You can hear it. You can feel it. Mm -hmm. That's how you know something is alive. You know, Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, you all are sitting there thinking, hold up, Red. What are you saying you can feel the Bible? But who okay. has ever heard a passage of scripture and it just resonated inside of you? You you flood your whole system. You you know, it's something that, oh, that word, oh, the scripture just it it touched something on the inside of me that made me realize, I mean, is that not what Wesley said when he he he, he opened <laughs> up the the, the, the the Bible and began to read and said, I can be saved, you know, at Alder gate isn't that, isn't that what he experienced, the, the feel of the Bible? I mean, yes. that's what we're looking for, you know, how do I taste it? And y'all are like, okay, all right, I got feel, I got hear, I got see, but what about taste? But 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 have have you ever has scripture ever rebuked you? You 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 live in your own way, you read a passage of scripture and you feel on the inside that you're wrong, that 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 you're living wrong, that you're not right, you you taste it, you you almost sense the understanding. But that's what we've got to do with scripture every time we engage scripture. We we've gotta we've gotta run it through our senses. We gotta run it through what it is. And the best way to do that is what the the author of this particular section is saying, we've got to interrogate this text. Mm. We've got to to interrogate the text. What are you saying to me, text? Where are you coming from? What do I understand? And we've got to interrogate the text in context. (laughs) We've got to interrogate the text in context. What do you mean by that, Rhea? But we've got to look at the text in the context it was written, by whom it was written, and why it was written. So when when, when you grab that text, Mm -hmm. you know, the first thing you write is, who wrote this? Who wrote this? And what we have historically done in the church, and probably did it wrong, because first of all, we, we translated the names into English. Yeah. So when we pick up Matthew, we say Matthew, right? Right. And when you look at Matthew and you say Matthew, automatically your mind goes to Matthew you know. Uh. So you're even you're contextualizing the text based on a Matthew you know. Are what you have been trained to think that Matthew was like. Ah. And if folks set up and told you Matthew was like a, a European white guy with long beard that lived in Europe um, 75 years ago, then that's what you're going to internalize. Because when you see Matthew, that's what you relate it to. Exactly if you if you if you graduate from there just a little bit you got an uncle matthew and you're going to relate that text to that matthew but we've got to bypass that because it's not about what the name of the book is it's about what were the characteristics of this person that wrote this text okay. where were they living you know what what were they eating what did they have for breakfast where were they standing in the biblical story? Oh. Then you start to see why this is important. Not whose name is on the text. Because what what where we make the mistake in biblical scholarship sometimes is we did Ru- Luke write this? Did Mark write this? Did Matthew Mark write this? Is this they got something they call Q material? Is this Q material that was just laying around on somebody's basement and they plugged it in? <laughs> But that's, that's not what we're really getting at. What we're getting at is where in time and space,
4: mm-hmm.
0: where in the story, where on the continent of Africa was the person that told this story based? Come on now. And see, once you start to study the Olden Testament, Old, Old and New Testament that way, the next thing you want to ask is, Who's the text written for? And see, if we get stuck on the name of the person that wrote the text, we forget to ask the question, well, why was it written? Why why were the gospels written? That's a question. Y'all answer that one. Witness.
4: It was written for us to be a witness about the work of Jesus Christ. I mean, it says it right there. These things are written that we may witness it. It's like the witness given um, the police come upon a scene and ask what happened, and then the witness tells what happened, and then the police write it down so that somebody else can read it. The lawyer can read it. And why else was it,
1: was awesome. was it written? Uh huh. To provide uniformity of belief so that um, people would believe have the belief. Um, and and it was written so that we would um the man higher standards ethically and morally about life and all that stuff. But nonetheless, oh, y'all, less, y'all
0: are this. so y'all are so 20th century and 21st century in this. And Why they us, write it while they were standing there. Say that again. Y'all are so 21st century and 20th century <laughs> in this. Why were they writing it when they wrote it?
5: So we might have
0: a uh huh. So we might have a. Yes. 67, years after, 67 years after the death of Christ, why were these disciples sitting out there writing down this story?
5: Well, they were compelled to tell the story.
0: Tell well, stories, exactly. think, even further than that, why, why were they writing it down? What, what would be if. For
5: us to know, for us to be know. Be
1: no one said if it, it wasn't written down, we would never have heard it. It would never have been told to us. It was written, it was written down as a guide as a as a god as God for the whole world for for everybody that come into the world. It was written down, passing the story of Christ on down to everybody
0: and teaching exactly. us how to live. I, I think the, I think y'all got some angels for disciples. Um, sister um, Emma, you still on there? When, when at that time you were telling us about that book you read about the disciples and <laughs> how the disciples weren't quite as good as we thought they were, <clears throat> I think y'all got some angels for disciples. Why do people write books now? To tell you a story, tell you something.
1: Money. 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 And for money. I mean, part of it is
0: making money, but also part of it is spreading what's going on to tell their version of the story, to make sure their version is knowledge, to make sure... And and the disciples were writing this down. If you watch it, especially if you watch the letters of Paul, the purpose was to spread the news. The purpose was to get more people to know the story. He couldn't go everywhere. He discovered, he could matter of fact, he discovered half the places he went, he went shipwrecked. So he, he couldn't go everywhere. But his letters could go further than his feet. So part of writing it down was to expand the audience. Okay. And that, that's what we do now. We write stuff down to expand the audience. We put stuff into advocate. So more folk will know what we're doing at our church. We put stuff on this Facebook. Yeah, I don't know why y'all put stuff on Facebook. But anyway, we put stuff <laughs> on Facebook so folks will know what we have for dinner. You know, we, we're expanding the audience of what's going on so folk will know what I'm doing, what I believe, what I see, what's important to me. The gospel does the same thing. So you you never have to ask the question, why? Is Matthew different from Mark? That's that's not really the question. What was Matthew trying to show you? What was Mark saying about him? What was Ezekiel saying about Ezekiel? What was First Kings saying about First Kings? And and what they understood the time and the situation was. And once you start to frame the Bible in that sense, then you start to see, oh. So what are they trying to say to me? You know, why why was it written? It begins to push that out. We've got to tell you what's happened and what we want to see. Then you can get to the question, what does it mean? Wonderful. What does the text mean for me? What is it saying? Wonderful. And that's where all this stuff comes becomes important. Let's go right quick to. um man, let, me, let me let me mess with y'all a little bit, cause I I just like to. I, I'm actually, I'm gonna break my rule and play another video today. This one to be a little bit louder. That one was kind of quiet. Um, so you might have turned the TV back down this time. And I want to preach about preaching. Now, we have three disciplines under the umbrella
5: of theology that deal with preaching. These three disciplines are hermeneutics, homiletics, and apologetics. Hermeneutics is the science of preaching. Homiletics is the art of preaching. And apologetics is the proof of preaching. So a preacher should be hermeneutically accurate, homiletically Natural and apologetically convincing. In other words, the preachers should exegete the scripture correctly, use their own natural style, convince the saints to straighten up and fly right, and convince the sinner to come clean or stay away dirty. That's what preaching will do. But we have been watching them ever test them telling evangelists and them soul hustlers them ecclesiastical pimps them messages of Satan and then angels of hell and some of us think that we are supposed to be doing like they're doing now in homiletics there's a rule there's a rule in homiletics that says if you preach a subject your subject must be contained in the text. You can't take a text about one thing and then announce a subject about something else, like we have seen. You haven't seen it here. Everybody here has been homolytically and homiletically correct. But you've seen it where they read a scripture and don't even come close to that scripture. That in homiletics, that is called eisegesis. That is not to be done. You are supposed to have a subject contained in the text. And the reason I'm telling you that is because I want to violate that rule. (laughs) Because all the verses that I've given to you have shown you the value, the credibility, the authenticity, the blessedness, the sacredness of preaching. And I want to talk to you from the subject today, how to preach and help nobody how to preach and save nobody, how to preach and heal nobody, how to preach and convert nobody. Why am I talking like this? Because this is what's going on in a whole lot of pulpits. Apostolic brethren, you better go home and preach. You better go home and preach. The folk in your church don't need counseling. They need preaching. They need the word. You better go home and preach, cause preaching will do it. Somebody asked me, Brother James, you got too many verses when you preach. Let me tell you why I like a lot of verses. That way if the sermon don't go over and it's a flock, you can't go home and say, we didn't get no word. You enough verses if I don't bring out nothing, you have already heard the word. And the word of God is good for everybody. So the word of God will lift your spirit, the word of God will stretch your mind, the word of God will fill your soul, the word of God will warm your heart. You ain't living like the word of God will turn your
1: hide.
5: We need preaching, we need words. You know, men, men divide horizontally. When men divide, it's high class, middle class, low class. God does not divide horizontally. God divides perpendicularly. When God divides, it's sheep, goat. It's saved lost, it's right, wrong, it's heaven, hell, it's dead, dead. But in the division of men, high class, middle class, low class, I don't care what category they put you in. You need preaching, and you need to hear the word. I challenge every preacher, don't be like them cats who have gone to the same seminary and studied under the same professors, and they have learned their lesson well, and they have learned how to preach and help nobody. It ain't no problem in your church that preaching won't fix. It ain't no situation that preaching can't deal with if you just preach.
0: OK, so what was the pastor name? Reverend James, um, Turner James. Oh, and that's, that's, that's from 19, um, 1974, um, oh, Apostolic oh, Conference. But ago. he's I, still, heard, him, I he, heard him preach before. He still makes a point, a very relevant point, that you know when we preach or teach, We've gotta it's gotta be based on the word, but how news has to come in place? What's in the scripture has to line up with what you're teaching and what you're explaining? <laughs> your text should come out of the te- out of the scripture. Your 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 message should come out of the scripture. It it comes in place. That's how we are. And 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 how do you, your question becomes: well, how do we get there? Here's the good news. God has provided us everything we need to interpret and understand his word. All right. You know, and that's in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. The one who is inside on all the works of the triune God, God lives inside you. Let's look at this passage of scripture here. John's gospel, the 16th chapter, verses 12 through 15. Hey, Amen. You all then left Sister Deborah on mute. Sister Deborah, you on mute unless you mean to be on mute. John
1: <laughs> <laughs> mm.
0: sixteen and what? Sixteen and I can read it. Yeah, sixteen, twelve through fifteen. Read it for us.
1: I have many more things to say to you but you cannot bear them now. But where he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will will disclose it to
0: you. Okay, now, how does that work with this understanding of hermeneutics? Because isn't that what folk always said? The Holy Spirit will explain the Bible to you. So why in the world, Reverend Hooker, do I need context, do I need to know where they were? Do I need to know who was preaching and what was speaking? I don't need any of that. Look like the Holy Spirit would just explain the word to me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Reverend Hoker. But it hadn't worked that way, has it? No, Reverend Hoker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you would think all I need is a Holy Spirit. Right. Then why doesn't it work? Because guess what you're leaving out when you just have the Holy Spirit in the text? What's being left out?
1: Well he, well, he said the Trinity, really. All in you, the Father's unknown, experience, your contacts, and
4: what you bring to the Bible. What you bring. Uh, uh, what, yeah, you're right, Sister
0: Pat. What you, what, who you are. Right. If a, all I know. have is a bible and the holy spirit because how does god work how, how, how do we know god holy spirit. I, I, but how do we know god how do we interact with god what's through the prayer. only way we can know god huh yeah, through prayer through prayer yeah, but through prayer, but how do we know God? How do we know and feel God? How do, we, how, how, how do we know anything and understand anything about God? Through the Holy Spirit. Keep going, though. Through the Spirit. I want y'all to push that out. Our faith? Keep going. I'm looking for something deeper. Something deeper? Yeah, because faith is a good answer, but what do you mean by Faith oh what we believe all right what we yeah, believe but belief,
4: but belief is a good answer but what do you mean by belief? <laughs> believe about what I what I believe the holy spirit is revealing to me
0: yeah but how do we know god what is god's let, let me answer the number, what is god seeking from us a relationship oh that's the word i'm looking for we are know and under god we know and understand god through relationship We also know and understand the Holy Spirit through relationship.
1: Okay.
4: We
0: also know and understand Jesus through relationship. (laughs) Wait on it, though. We also know and understand the Bible through relationship. And if I want to be in relationship with God, then I'm going to spend my time trying to get to know God. Right. Just a closer walk with thee. Ain't that how we sing it?
4: Yeah. yeah you know,
0: If if I want to know Jesus intimately, then I'm gonna call on Jesus. Just call his name. Yes. I want Jesus to be around me. If I want to know the Holy Spirit, then I start every worship service with an invocation. Oh, come, come Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. You know, because Amen. I, I want to know that well if i want to know the scripture should not <laughs> do something to know it
4: yeah spend some time you
0: know, and- I, how you doing scripture how you doing rev scripture where you from well rev I, I i'm from i'm from jerusalem all right well scripture what's going on in your life well the romans are persecuting the church right now while i'm being ridden and i'm having to deal with christians and, and and Jewish people that don't 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 remember their faith. How you doing? How you doing? Exodus. Oh, I'm doing good, real. You know, right now the people of God are are, are moving in freedom to the promised land. Mm-hmm. Exodus. Oh, I Who's leading you? Oh, I well, Moses is leading us. Why are you written Exodus? Well, I'm ridden so folk will always know that when they're crying and oppressed, God will free them. Amen. <laughs> you get to, you know, so yes, the Holy Spirit teaches you everything you need to know about the word, but it teaches you based on your relationship with the scripture. So, the more you know why this scripture is, where it comes from, what it's written about, the more you can have a closer relationship. So, now when the Holy Spirit tells you, oh, that's fire there, you're like, yeah, it is.
1: Yeah.
5: Many questions.
1: Uh huh. I believe believe Mr. Deborah is on hold uh, on our mute and don't know how to get off.
0: I think she is locked on mute. I know she would have said something by now. It. Yeah, I, I got
1: start
0: it. Hey, do you know I'm here? Start
1: start ahead, but... start
0: yeah, I can you? see y'all. I can start. see her. I, she's just muted. Do you see me? Yeah. Yeah.
4: Well, well, let me ask a question, Pastor. Uh huh. You tell me about relationship with the word relationship and. And how do I know? Well, what is going to tell me where 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 the words are talking
0: to me from? Because of the context of you, when you, you 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 got friends, don't you? Yes. Don't you like to learn stuff about your friends? Yeah. You know what kind of books do you like? What what kind of coffee do you drink? My mama used to keep sanka. What is it? What is that stuff called? It was. A it sinker at the house. Because <clears throat> my grandma drank sinker because she didn't want the caffeine. She thought that was the only decaffeinated one. Probably was for a while. But <laughs> she kept she kept the sinker at the house. And my, my mama hated that coffee. If she ran out of everything else, she would rather boil sage and water than drink sinker coffee. That, that's just where she was. But she kept it for my grandma because that's what my grandma loved. And she had to get to know that. She had to know enough about her to know that's the kind of coffee she drank. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with the text. You got to know enough about the text to know where it fits in. I got that. But, I mean, like how do tonight, I, know, I, I keep asking.
4: Like, we're here right now, and, and when we come to the text to read the text, the Bible itself, the words that we are not reading, or does not necessarily reveal that information. Tell me, where am I going to get it
0: from? Okay. When, when the Holy Spirit, think of the Holy Spirit in terms of fire, mm-hmm. think of it in terms of cooking. <laughs> the Holy Spirit cooks, y'all, I eat all the time, sorry. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit cooks the word. So what we get sometimes is the raw, raw word. But when that spirit comes in contact with that raw word, Okay. And you know the Holy Spirit and you know you have a relationship with the text because you didn't find out where it was written, how it was written, who it was written by, to the best of your ability. But that's a raw relationship. But you also have this cooked relationship with the Holy Spirit as it comes in contact with you all. And, and together that forms an understanding of what that word is saying. Look at this Jeremiah um 29 passage. Let's go to Jeremiah 29 passage. You know, we, we hear this all the time. Um, you know, we love to lift this passage. Oh yeah. Um, you know, a lot um, of people love this passage right here. Um I know. For you know, so Jeremiah, for I know the thoughts that I have think towards you says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future of hope. Beautiful passage. Right, right. So part of understanding that passage is understanding what God has to say to us. True. But part of understanding that passage is understanding what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. But also part of understanding that passage is to understand what Jeremiah 29 said in 1 through 10. Ooh, I can't write a zero, I don't know, but 1 one through 10. So okay. to understand that, we've got to read the rest of the story. Yeah. I'm going to learn to type one day, y'all, and y'all are going to be proud of me. But <laughs> somebody want to read that for us. Um, Jeremiah, the, the 29th chapter and verses 1 through 10. Now, there, now, these are
2: the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem and to the residue of the elders, which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people, who's Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captives from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Jericonia, Jericonia, the king, and the queen, and the Arnix, the priests of Judah, and Jerusalem, and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem. By the hand of Elisa, the son of Shepham, and Gamara, the son of Oh, Lord, Heliciah, who's the dyker, I'm sorry, y'all, this is our king of Judah, yeah. sent into Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all that are carried upon captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem into Babylon. Build ye houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit. Yeah, well. Take the ye wives and beg its sons and daughters. Take wives from your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, when the peace <coughs> of shall ye have peace. For thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams, which he caused to be dreams. For thy prophecy falsely falsely unto you in my name, I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end.
0: Now, what, what that does is that gives you a literary context, what's going on in the text while we're reading it, while we're understanding it, but it also allows you it also allows you to see what God is doing in this text as well, because he's telling them look, you're going to go through these bad times first. Uh-huh. You're going to go through these struggles. You're going to go through all of this. And, 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 and then here's the promise. And see, what we do a lot of time is we get up in meetings and places and we just read 11. But I know the thoughts that I have, I think, towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future of hope. And, and, and we leave people kind of floating because we, we hadn't told the story. So the young lady in the beginning, I know y'all didn't forget about her, but the young lady, Lisa, in the beginning when she was saying, you know, that slavery has left a, a, a bad taste. In the mouth of a lot of folk, a lot of African Americans in this context. Mm -hmm. She's saying the way the church has treated people has left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. When she's saying that, you know, you can't take you can't take the good news of the gospel out of context and say that, you know, the, the the church is all good. We know people in our individual church, don't we?
4: Amen. I have
0: been through struggle. Amen. You know, I have been through all kind of of hardship, and that has that has to come to passage. So when we read a text, here's the key right here. Come on. How would I summarize this passage in my own words? Is there a truth I need to accept and believe? Is there a sin related to this text I need to confess? Is there a person I need to ask for forgiveness or accountability to? Is there a behavior in the text that I need to adopt? What do I need to ask the Lord to help me in light of the passage I just read? And we do that every, I I know y'all don't want to hear this, but well, we should on. do that every time we read a passage. We go through all those steps. So the next time Joe comes to you and says, what do I need to do? And you you, you want to find a two-sentence passage in the scripture to give him, be careful because that means you got to do all those things to be able to give Joe that passage of scripture, because what we like to do is throw a little piece of scripture at people and not let them move through it. All right, we got to move y'all, because y'all got five more minutes and we got ten more things to do. Okay, so let's go well, to Emma you now. got her on hold. Who? Miss Emma
2: said you have her on hold or something. She sent a text. Do you have a waiting room?
0: Yeah, but nobody's in it right now. He might be in it.
2: She said she's, she's been on hold the whole Bible study or something that's going
0: on. Send back me back until she's going to, have to call back in. Because there's okay. nobody in the waiting room.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: Have you been me. able to hear me? Yes. Yeah. All right. So let's read the Second Peter 1, 5 through 9. Second Peter, one five through nine.
1: Now, for the very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self control, and in your self control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the truth. Knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sin.
0: Sin, excuse me. You know, when, when you look at this, it breaks down as a how should I live my life kind of map roadmap. And it says, how do I supplement my faith with a generous provision of more excellence, more excellence with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with patience and endurance, and patience and endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. You know, this is is a simple roadmap on how I should love, how I should live, and how I should follow Christ because that's what Christ did for us. But if we just read it one time, we could miss it. What we've got to to do with the text is we've got to learn to be still first, not be afraid to read text over and over again. You know, as a matter of fact, it, the author says in getting familiar with the text, read it first time slowly, second time, read it to yourself, third time, have somebody read it aloud slowly, but this time look for repeated words. You know, so when, when you, you say, all right, what's being repeated in this text? What's being, what, what does it say? Well, what do you see in the text? What do you see repeated? What do you, what, what is repeated over and over and over in this text?
4: Um, and um, conjunction with and and with with.
1: What else? What else? What else? Um, well, it says in your applying diligence first of all in your faith, excellence and your ma excellence, excellence. Knowledge. Knowledge, characteristics,
4: Knowledge.
1: yeah, we got a lot of character self control, self control, perseverance, godliness. Godliness.
0: So, what do you the word to be repeated? and that again. Why do we repeat oh, words love when it. we're writing to no. emphasize? And that we also do something else when we repeat words, don't we? It's something every English teacher told you never to do.
1: What? Oh, draw
0: attention to that word. Huh? To define a word with a word. Yeah. <laughs> we Quite often, repeat a, word, be the word, be a word, word to define a word. You know, and, and, and that's what we see going on here in this letter is the words are defining themselves. You know, more excellence. Okay, what is that? Oh, that's, that's more excellence leads to knowledge. And self-control, oh, what is that? Self-control, that leads to patience. So it's, it's using that word in the next part to define that word, to um, show what that word really means. And we, every English teacher said, but it works, doesn't it? So you use that word to emphasize. You use it to repeat. Are there conjunctions? Somebody wanted to go to conjunctions first, But are there conjunctions in this text? Continuous use. Can can join in the words with the words. Yeah. But well, what's that big conjunction we had last week that we had so much trouble with? I
4: don't know.
0: That word but. Oh.
4: Yeah.
0: And what <laughs> but does is it changes the it changes the direction of it the changes. whole conversation. It changes the
1: dynamics of a conversation.
0: Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, and what butt does in this text? It goes to the shortfalls, doesn't it? Yes. Right. We have a list of the perfect way to live. Then they throw in that old butt, and it shifts us back into a whole different way of understanding. Right. And that's key, also, right there, and that's key, key to what was going on in this text and where we are. So, for bonus credit. What is the but in our relationship with scripture as African Americans? Oh, no. What oh, y'all thought y'all would get out of here with easy questions, right? Yeah. <laughs> what is the but in our relationship as we journey through, folks? What is the what is the but as Christians? What has been our butt? What has changed our dynamic and harmed us more than anything else in our relationship with God? What about us being black folk has, has, has caused us problems? What about the African American experience has been the but? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh y'all got y'all gotta deal with that because if you don't deal with it. You can't move beyond it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What is the butt in our relationship relationship with Christianity in this country? Slavery.
1: What is it? Is it anger? Our experience. Our experiences.
0: Our experiences. Slavery, anger. What else? Because people's butts might be different. You all remember the (laughs) discussion we had last time. Well, no, this was a couple of months ago. But um, when I was telling you about the young lady that could not pray, Our Father, because oh, father the experience, the tradition that we
4: bring, the culture awareness. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The but, but, but. Um. Wait a minute. I'm gonna go get back to it. But whose story is it that we're telling about? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the writer said last week we were subject to judgment. We were subject to judgment all the time. We don't want to. But,
3: because of society what? and how we've been treated in society, that's why there's a big but. And until we get over that, it's gonna be that, but until like he said, we can get into the scripture and see ourselves in it. Change our story. Change
4: yeah. the story.
0: Change ooh, ooh, ooh! I love that. I love that change concept. How, how do we change the story? Yeah. And how do we tell the story? Right. And how do we tell the story with, with explaining the damage? Yeah. Because if yeah. it's true, you know, y'all were listen, y'all were laughing at Reverend James but it is, it's, it's, it's awesome because what he said was you know, we we gotta we gotta tell this story with 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 life we gotta tell this story with joy but it's gotta line up with scripture so what exactly. you called to do is tell the butt and guess who guess who the butt belongs to uh, us yeah a lot, yeah, time, a lot of A lot of times the butt that's in the place is your butt. and that's it. A lot of times what's keeping you from telling the gospel story is your story. Mm-hmm. And until you deal with your story, you can't explain the story to nobody else. But you know that's what she said when she when
4: um, in the beginning when she said that she says, know your story change your story to tell your story because if we keep telling the story that they want us to believe then we're not telling our so we have to change the story that have been told us to be our story. That's not your story.
1: Exactly so change it. It doesn't make any sense. You have to write your story. You have to write your story. Your story is written by you. You gotta write your
0: story. You gotta tell your story. You got to let folk know, hey, this is my story. This is how I interpret it. And, and you got to claim ownership for the Bible. Yes, exactly. Don't be afraid <laughs> to claim ownership. This is God's word to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right now we think only the preacher can preach. Yeah. Only the pastor can speak a word. Oh, no. But if I own this story, because it's my story wrapped up in the story of the text, then I've got to tell it. Amen. The woman at the wheel, well. She tell she, her she story. Ran back. What did she say? She huh. said, I met a man that told me what? All about me. My whole story. That's right.
1: Everything.
0: And she was <laughs> proud of that thing. <laughs> you know, you would think, she had these husbands, she had these bad relationships. Yeah, that her.
4: man told her all about herself.
0: Yeah. And he didn't know her. So he must be. And that, we'll that, that's, that's right. where we are, family. We've got to internalize this story in such a way that we begin to tell it and move forward. All right. I'm not going to go one more lesson on this. Y'all going to have to read step four on your own. Next time, we're going to start on um, chapter two. Is Christianity the White Man's Religion? And that's where we'll start right there next time when we come back. Um, And that's going to be really interesting. Um, So we'll start on page... 13 or 14, really, because 13 is just a title page. Next time. And we'll figure out what we did to Sister Deborah. <laughs> so we got Sister Deborah and Sister Emma, both of them got blocked out tonight somehow. I'll, and you all know I worked all last night to take the password off so we wouldn't have a password. Then we had a waiting room. I don't know if they got stuck in, well, no, it's nobody in the waiting room. Oh, this technology stuff, and we're gonna do anything yeah, right? yeah, hope. <laughs> and we're gonna do charge conference like this. Ooh, blessing assurance. Jesus right. is mine. Are there prayer concerns we need to share tonight? Pray for everyone. Yes.
1: Everyone.